0: Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. This is going to be a very unusual conversation with two remarkable people today, Dennis and Vinia Agri. Dennis is a graduate of Beeson Divinity School. He's from Liberia. He's had a remarkable ministry back in his home country. Vanilla's from Wisconsin. They were married six years ago. They have three children, one just a little baby born this last October. So welcome back to Beeson, and welcome to the Beeson Podcast. Thank Thank you, you, Dr. Josh. Thank you. Dennis, let me begin with you. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing in Liberia and kind of how you came to faith in Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, When I was growing up, my parents were not Christians, but my parents did value education a lot. So he sent me to an Episcopal Mission school, and at this Episcopal Mission school, it, it was compulsory for us to go to chapel and to be involved in the activities of the church. And I did like it, and I so I became an acolyte and doing a lot of activities in the church. And a year later, after being there two years, I moved to another school, Vontima latra where I was. There was a Baptist gentleman, a Baptist missionary who was in my place. He was teaching my school, and at the same time, he was coaching my soccer team. So at one time, after practice, he stopped me and he said, Dennis, I want to talk to you. And that day I really had some bad attitudes, so mm-hmm. I thought he was about to <laughs> rebuke me. So we we sat down. He said, I said, oh, coach, he caused it. That's why I kicked you." He said, no, that's not what I want to talk to you about. So we said, let's sit. We sat, and the others were leaving. He said, I've been watching you. You don't use vocal languages like the others. You really need to be a Christian. And I said, oh, I'm a Christian. You know the school I transferred from? I was an acolyte. I've been baptized. Uh, he said, wow, those sounds really good. But the truth is, those things don't make us Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he opened his Bible out. I didn't even know people carry Bible in their backpack. Mm. <laughs> Took out his Bible. He opened it up to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And where the scripture says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And you are saying all these things you ref- you've been referring to being baptized, being an acolyte, all these things are works. They don't save. We are saved by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And honestly, that was the first time I ever had mm. such a thing. Because all those things, that I thought, I, I wasn't faking. I thought, this is what it means to be a Christian. Now he was telling me, no, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. So I pray, I asked Christ into my life that day. He didn't stop. He began to follow me up. And now mm. I know the word. I didn't know it then. Yeah. But we would meet, and he was Teach me how they, he was teaching me how to memorize scripture. So you
0: were discipled by him? I
1: was really discipled. Then one day I remember he and I went out to a coffee shop and there were three chairs sitting around this table. He took one, he sat on one, I sat on the other one, and the fellow walked in, there was no seat anywhere, he sat right by us. And my friend went like this Baptist missionary that led me to Christ. He introduced himself, he said, This is Dennis, and Dennis, you have something to share with you. And I said, no. <laughs> yes, he do. So he took a piece of paper. He put it right in front of me, gave me a pen. And then he, he, by this time, he's, he had taught me in a British illustration, uh, sinful man, holy God. And there's a big gap between both. And, and I'm sharing with this guy with fear and trembling. And he would come in and help me. And at the very end, Came to the point where I said, now where are you? He said, I'm, I'm really on the side of sinful man. Where do you want to be? I want to be with Holy God. Now you can pray and receive Christ. He said, yes. And this fellow prayed and asked Jesus into his life. And right there, the light turned off in my head. He's like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life.
0: So God has made you an evangelist. Amen. <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, yeah. um, you came to Beeson. I remember you were in my classes yes. um, in the 1990s. You graduated in 1999, I yes, believe. 99. And this was a time in your home country of Liberia of great civil unrest, of civil war. Yes. Talk about that a little bit and how that affected you and your family.
1: The civil war was gruesome. I mean, we were people were brutal, and the whole country was covered with this war. Before I came, I was working with Campus Crusade for Christ. So I was working with students. So in my apartment, two bedroom apartment, there were 26 people that took refuge in my place. Mm. There was no food. There was no water. And, and everybody was just running around for their life or trying to find food in the process. They were being shot. Nobody knew who the enemies were. And then and, and the whole country was covered. I remember one, so we, one time we were caught up in a crossfire. There was the rebels fighting against the government troop and we were in the middle. So bullets were flying everywhere. Wall dressers on the wall were coming down, but we were able to escape after four days of being indoor. We went up country. And I took everybody that was in my place. Let's go to safety because now they have left the countryside. Little did I know when we got up country thinking my mother and my parents were living up north in Lofa. We got there and I saw my mom and the town was really quiet. So where's everybody? And my mother said, well, they, they care your father. My father was a medical doctor by profession. So he was treating wounded soldiers. And one time, after five days of working, he was really tired, whole day and whole night. He went to rest, and the soldiers came back. The rebels said, Where's Mr. Agri? Where he's tired. And then the commander said, Well, go and put him to sleep. If he's going to rest, he needs to sleep. So they went to grab him. Took him behind the hospital. He initiated Billy and he just used a knife and cut off his head. Mm. My little brother had. That was fo- your da-
0: your dad, your my old dad, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: My little brother had followed to see what was happening. When he saw that, he turned around to run. the shot in on the back and he fell and died. So I asked my mom, "But then why? Are you, what are you doing here?" She said, "Somehow I knew you were going to come on this. side. I didn't want you to come and not see us here because everybody in that era had fled and crossed the border into Guinea." Mm-hmm. So I so said, we can't stay here. We found our way and went into Sierra and finally I ended up into Nigeria. But everyone in the country was affected by that war.
0: Yeah. yeah. I want to go back to Liberia and talk about some of your experiences there, which are really remarkable. But I want to bring Vanilla into the conversation. How did you and Dennis meet?
2: I went to Liberia on a short-term mission trip. I was uh-huh. just intending to be there for three months. I had done a longer mission trip in China. And so I intended to go back to China after my three months, but God had different plans. I met Dennis and I can say that I, it wasn't how I planned it, but I'm praise God. I met Dennis not long after and it wasn't long. And we knew we, we were, our hearts were joined together. We mm-hmm. knew we were having yeah. a similar heart for mission. So
0: you come from a Christian family, a Christian church home here in America.
2: Yes, I do. My parents love Jesus and they mm-hmm. raised me to follow him. Yes. And so they've been supportive of our ministry of our marriage of our life and yes i've been very blessed
0: and god has blessed your marriage with these three beautiful children <laughs> tell us sure, just a little bit about them
2: he sure has we have lucas who four is four old. and hosanna who is two. two and then we just had our baby Ozias, and Ozias means the strength of god yeah. and he was born just about a month ago so uh, yes we've been very blessed our really children nice. are a tremendous blessing from the lord
0: fabulous i'm so glad you could come because we pray for both of you by name here at Thank Beeson so and much. It's good to put a face with a name. Thank so, you. now, Dennis, day. let's go back to Liberia in our conversation. And you—you uh, you have become an evangelist. You've become a church planter. You've yep. done remarkable things for God <laughs> in in uh, Liberia. And a uh, part of that was an experience that you had. I want you to talk about it and describe for us what happened in in the town of Malawu yes. when you were there.
1: Truly, God been doing wonders, and everything we do, we say to God, "Be the glory." Yes. Um there's a town called Manau in Liberia, very, very, it was a scary place to go. Um, the center of, of animism, I would say, in the whole of West Africa.
0: Tell us what animism is.
1: It's a traditional religion, and these people will worship uh, ancestor spirits um great great grandfather died, and then they can stay invoke the tradition and uh, the, the spirit of the great grandfather they can worship trees and mountains uh, uh um, and in fight do sacrifices chicken sacrifice and and uh, animal sacrifice and even human sacrifices mm. so political leaders went up there to get power to be to 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 stay in power to, they will go there and they will go to these old people and ask them to to do something for them to stay in power or to win election.
0: So it was a spiritual center of dark yes, religion very and dark. demonic
1: yes, forces. Yes, exactly. So and in
0: our organization,
1: we don't look for the easy places to go. We like to go to places where people don't want to go, very difficult to assess by road or, or different means. So when we decided this is another place God is leading us to go, I travel around sharing the news with my church members. It took us a year. We were praying and praying and praying, fasting. We were praying and fast. And when some of the guys knew that that was our plan to go to Malawi, I literally were confronted with people on the street. You're about to commit suicide. That's not the place for you to carry the word of God. This is not the time. They are not ready. And well, those people need Jesus. I kept telling myself. And finally we put a team of 12 together. Uh, at the end of the year, and we went up the mountain. It's way up the mountain. When we went there, it's like the Spirit of God had gone before us, prepared their hearts. They had a town hall meeting. They invited everyone. These elders were there. And I told them, We came here to be your friends. We want to come and work with you. If you have any need, you think we can help where we want to come and help. We didn't go say, Oh, gee, we brought Jesus, we brought the church. It was first, we wanted to set, uh, establish rapport with these people. And they were so happy. We were amazed of the jubilation because like, you know, you're the first group of people that have ever come up here. Uh, uh they walking and all these NGOs will come. They will go to other villages. They will do latrine for them. They will do food distribution, but nobody ever come to us. Everyone is afraid of us. So thank you so much for coming. And that day when we're about to leave, they said, don't go in that town front time in Memorial. People, people never wore shoes in October, when the moon is way up, and uh, to enter the town, you had to go backwards, you can't go forward. The, 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 the thought, the belief was that if you went forward, you wouldn't see the town, you, you wouldn't come to the end of the road. And uh, the women never wore blouse, they were tied the, the wrapper around their, 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 their waist. Um, that's how it was. And uh, you still see the, the places where they used to do human sacrifices, altars are built there. We spent the whole time, but what struck me the most, the other. The, the, the most senior person of the town was sick, so he wasn't in the meeting, but he knew we were in town. He was bare right. He couldn't get up by himself. So when we were about to leave, he said he wanted to see me. So we went. a man took me in, so he told the man to excuse us. So he and I were left in his hut with only one door, no window, and he was lying on the mat. And he said, when you leave from here, people are going to scare you to come back. Please come back. Because we need to, he says, two nights now I've been having a dream with a man coming with fire behind him. I think you are the one who's coming to bring about change in this village. Wow. So please don't come. In fact, right after we left, a month later, he died. Mm. Yeah. But there was a senior, uh, next to him was another man who was, we called the man of peace. Every time he spoke, everybody listened. So the church just took off over there. And the story is long. We did so many projects there. And later, after doing a lot, and they gave their secret bridge for us to build the church and the school there. And they said, we know you're a Christian. Why we can't talk about uh, the church business? Well, we told them then they gave their secret bridge, we built a church there. But unfortunately, three years ago, the man of peace, this senior other, besides the real old one, the, the, the very senior one that died a month after we met him, also died. Uh bully man, he was called. My wife even met with him yes, uh, before that time. After he died, Few of those that were within his, his rank that didn't agree, but they couldn't oppose him raised. And it all started. A lot of their key player within a, uh, animistic religion have become Christians. Yes. Now it was time for them to have their pro society, the secret society function. And they are inviting them to go and, and perform their duty. And these men are saying, no, we can't because we are now Christians. We can serve two masters. And that was when they said, oh, we thought you could be a part of the church and be on this side. And they said, no, we can't do that. So they said, okay. So when I went to visit, they said, you do the one that caused the trouble. <laughs> you brothers, you, you You're making the people to turn away from our uh, culture and tradition. Yeah. I said, they're just serving God. And that was when they got angry. And they tied us up. We, it was me and one of my friends, a, a young man that I'm mentoring, tied us up in the bush. First on the stick. We spent the whole night tied up with ants and, and the dew falling on us. The next day, they took us from there and put us in this uh, uh, good shutter where the goats and sheep sleep. And the cross we put on the church was why they took off and put our feet on it, took a motorbike chain and nailed us, nailed our feet on the cross. Wow. So we're there for another two days. So three days total, we're there, day and night, no food, no drink. And the wall got out because they couldn't see us. world got out and then and they were able to send a U.N. troop, the U.N. soldiers, to come and rescue us from there.
0: You know, there's a verse in the Bible, Dennis, that says, uh, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Yes. Nevertheless, I live, yeah. yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Yeah. And we often interpret that, of course, in a sort of spiritualized way. Yeah. But you actually have been crucified yes. with Christ in because a literal sense. And not only
1: me. Uh, from that a lot of our churches been facing prosecution up north because of the secret society and because these key people who are playing part in these areas have now become Christians Mm -hmm. and they don't want to go back. That's the offense. Now you're taking our people. And with with without these people, we can't function well. So we become a, a object of
0: Now, Vanilla, this happened not long ago in 2013, Mm -hmm. right about the time you were having a baby, right? You came back to Wisconsin to have your child. Talk about how this affected you during that incredible time of change in your life.
2: Yes, that it was a very trying time for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Dennis was back in Liberia. He was planning to come later. Um, there was a lot happening in the ministry, so I I had our baby, and then and things were going well. Our baby was doing great, but just about ten days after I mm-hmm. had her, um, I also was having some problems. I needed to go back to the hospital, and I had to have an operation. Mm-hmm. So just before I was about to go in for the surgery, is when I got word that my husband was tied up in my li- in. Malawi, mm-hmm. and that nobody really had word from them, and they didn't know what was happening. They didn't know what what was going to happen, and so I was just praying. But I I was confronted with the, with the feeling of maybe my babies will be orphaned. I mean, I don't know how this will work mm. out. I pray that God will protect us both, and and He did. He carried us both through. But then after two, so even when Dennis was released. He, when I talked to him after the operation, he said, I can come there. You know, I know my family needs me too. And I said, but you need, I knew inside of me yeah. God needed to release him to come. Yeah. So he had to settle things there to do what he needed to do there before he could come. And I know that was God because I'm not that strong. <laughs> I needed him there, but I knew that that's what God had. And so eventually by the blessing of God, he did come and get to meet yeah, our daughter. I, and yeah. we're all here to share about it today. Praise so the I Lord. feel very yeah. blessed.
0: Yes. Now, now you were a half a world away from your husband. You were having a baby. You had complications, mm-hmm. as you say. In addition to that, uh, you didn't. You were incommunicado with Dennis. You weren't able to talk to him I and be in touch with him. So, tell. How does that affect your prayer life?
2: Yeah, that's all I could do was pray, especially at that those moments. There was my children were with my parents. I was there in the hospital. I prayed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was through a friend that I was able to hear anything about how things were going. And so, yeah, that. Like I said, that Bible says pray continue, and I felt like at those moments, that's all I could do, That stop to answer the nurse's questions. But other than that, it was just mm. pleading for, for our family, pleading yeah. for our brothers and sisters in right. Christ in Liberia, right. just begging God to be there and to help us.
0: You know, Psalm 130, verse 1 says, Out of the depths have I cried unto mm. you, O God. And that was some depths, <laughs> <the> depths experience <laughs> in was. your yes. life. You were yes, but the Lord heard and delivered. Amen. Amen. And you're here today to talk about it. So it's remarkable. Now, Dennis, out of your work of evangelizing, yes. sharing the gospel uh, with people in a holistic way, yes. I appreciate your emphasis on that. You're yes. not just taking tracts about Jesus nope. and distributing them in the villages. Right. You're entering into their life. Yes. Uh, has grown a, a movement and an organization called the Christian Revival Church Association, yes. CRCA. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that, uh, how that ministry is developed and your role in it.
1: When I was – I attended B C in here. Uh I was living on an old lane somewhere on campus. Mm-hmm. So one my last semester, I remember vividly taking a my television out of my room, unplugged my phone and I pray. I prayed diligently. Lord please, after my graduation, I'm going back home. The wall was still on. But I knew I wanted to be home because I would be useful there. And I pray and I pray. And God showed me what to do. Four days and four nights, I was locked up and I was fasting and praying. I'm going back. All I, li- I was living on was orange juice. I'm going back. I want to do church planting. Three days, I couldn't get an answer from God. Was like, uh, resources. No, no, no. I don't want to think about resources. I want to know what would I be able to do to, for God to help me plant 12 churches in my lifetime. Uh, 12 churches in my lifetime. That's what I'm asking God for. The last day, uh, on on my fourth day of fasting, and praying, in, lock up in this room, Second Timothy, 2 Timothy, 2-2, hit my brain. Then I remember, because before I came to Business, I used to work well, with Campus Crusade, like I said previously. So I used to disciple students who were starting small group Bible study, and people in their small group Bible study were starting small group Bible study. Portal Timothy, the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, this entrust a faithful man who will teach others also. So, Okay, if individual Christians can reproduce themselves, why can't the congregation reproduce themselves? Mm. Not one church going to plant another church, but this church plant another church, and that other church plant another church. Because just planting one church that's addition, but if the church you plant reproduce itself, and that new church reproduce themselves, that's spiritual multiplication. So like that was my answer. So when I got back, that's what I started doing. Started with a core group of people that I'm working with. And uh, we started the, the church planting and basically just teaching the campus crusade materials you, uh, um, in a simplified way. We started first church in central villages where it's accessible for, for, to other villages, like market villages in our country. Mm-hmm. People would travel and come buy and sell. So we started church there, but the church is started here immediately with the goal of you have to start another church. Mm. So, and then we use, we will use the Jesus film for mass evangelism, the God story, movie, video, we show that, and then we go one-on-one and meet with people in small groups, and eventually a church gets started. So because these churches are starting with the initial goal, the DNA, you can say, where you have to reproduce them yourself, it's not the building, mm. it's the people, yes. 25, 50, then they see the need. Oh, we can't fit in this heart. Oh, the sun is getting too hot. Oh, rainy season is coming. Let's build something for ourselves. And they work together as a community. And and now we got churches. I said 12 churches in my lifetime. Mm. But now up to date, this is 2000 when I got back. We have a little over 96 churches
0: planted. Ninety-six churches. Amazing. Isn't that (laughs) wonderful? It
1: reminds me of what John said in Ephesians chapter 3.20. God said he would do exceedingly abundantly abundantly Abundantly. above that.
0: You know, something amazing is happening in Africa among Christians. A few years ago, I was chairing a theological conference. We were meeting in Spain. But there were mostly people from Western Europe and North America and You know, the agenda had to do with kind of our issues. What Mm -hmm. is postmodernism? You know, how do you deal with all of these kind of very abstract problems and secularization? And there was a brother from Africa who said, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, we're we're not in a postmodern world. We're we're dealing with witchcraft. We're dealing with exorcism. Uh, And so what they need is a powerful expression of the gospel, and that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. Amen. That's what we see. And you're in a prime example of it. God is talking. Uh, we are so proud of you, and Thank both you. of you, and yeah. how God yeah. has used your life and your witness and your family uh, to shine forth the gospel yeah, the God in, be the
1: glory. Yeah. Uh, Liberia
0: and really all around Africa and the yeah. rest of the world. Yeah. Now we're almost out of time, but I want to mention a documentary film that was done, yeah. including your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called "Dispatches from the Front: yeah. Stories of Gospel Advance in the World's Difficult Places." Mm-hmm. And uh, it's done by a man named Tim Kazi. Yes. Tell us about him and the Frontline Missions International that he's involved with. Yeah. Doctor
1: Kazi is a friend of a friend of mine. Now we've become friends, um, um, Roland Bajeron. So Roland has a well ministry. So we are partners. Where we go to villages, we see the need for water wells. He will come and do that. So he told. he, there's great things happening in Liberia. You know, we're just going about doing what we can do. And others see it, they share the the, the word. So Kezi said, I have to go and visit and see what's going on. So he came over. They have this ministry. He he traveled to places, missionaries that are in difficult places and people are forgotten about. So he tried to follow them and document what they are doing. So he came to Liberia. We travel everywhere. We went to Malawi, to Konya, and we crossed over into Sierra Leone. Uh, 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 and there's a ministry there we partner with that is going on as well. And he just did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the one he did on library is called I Once Was Blind. Mm-hmm. And that's the one he featured what your story. Yes,
0: Yeah, I Once Was Blind. And you can get a copy of this. And I would encourage all of our listeners to get this. It's well worth seeing. Very well done. Be wonderful to show to your church or friends. Called. You can get it by simply going on the line to frontlinemissions.org. And asking for this story, tell us the name of it again. I once was blind. Yeah. I once was blind. Yeah. That features uh, our guest today, Dennis Agri, and yeah. the remarkable thing that God has done in his life. Mm-hmm. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for your faithfulness to the gospel, for the joy that yeah, shines in your hearts, and in, I right. see on your faces <laughs> you uh, through through many. Toils and tribulations God has brought you and still is using you. You're back in the States now for a short time. You're preparing to go back to Liberia. And what's your hope for the immediate future?
1: We will be leaving on the first, I mean, the the first week in December to go back to Liberia. We have an annual conference plan that is starting December the 27th to the 31st where we bring all of our church members together for four days of just Celebration. Mm. Um, our major goal right now, we have Bible training going on, training pastors every mm. through the, uh, training centers, Timothy Initiative training centers. Uh, they're, they're the one really going on in villages starting churches. We have reached a point where we think we need to have a, a, a Bible college where these people can have some real formal, besides the crash training they're getting, some of them are growing to the point where they need formal, Training where they can be more effective in, in, in sharing the gospel. We've also been blessed to be accredited by the government of Liberia to mm. do the C certificate in service teacher training. Mm. Uh, the war would destroy everything. That I means even the human resources were destroyed. So we have teachers in, in classrooms that are not qualified. So they accredited our CRCA, to train these teachers. They are in the classroom, but they are being trained through the C certificate program. Uh, and then after a period of uh, one or uh, two years, they are qualified to teach. The government will give them certificate of, of, of certification mm-hmm. and they can teach in any institution within the country. Mm-hmm. So, OK, so we have the training of pastors going on. We have this teacher training going on. So our goal is that God will help us to build an institution that will have a teacher college and a Bible college because we need that not for CICU, but for the country as a whole. Yeah. Because Liberia is like back when it comes to the human resources,
0: really. So you have a burden for your people yes. and yes. for your country. But yes. what, Neil, what do you think about the future? What would you like to say to our listeners as we prepare to say goodbye on this podcast?
2: I would just ask that, yes, you continue to pray with us as we go back. Mm-hmm. Also, balancing our family. That's mm-hmm. another, as we go back with our children, there's mm-hmm. always a transition. Mm-hmm. Um, And yes, that they would also be part of the work that God has us to do. We love them to go with us. So balancing the ministry with our family, but then in the ministry, I have a role of trying to connect with the women, and Mm -hmm. I have a role of sharing what God is doing so that I would be able to do that faithfully, Mm -hmm. to continue to give God the glory by sharing the stories of what's happening.
0: Wonderful. My guests today on the Beeson podcast have been the Reverend Dennis Agri, his wife Ania uh, they are fresh from Liberia with wonderful stories about the gospel advance that has taken place in that country. And we send you forth now back Amen. again into this work that Thank God you. has called you to and blessed you so abundantly. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website,